Yeah, I'm quite excited about today because um, as nothing as nice as when just before just before you talk, the the Holy Spirit sort of confirms Himself through um, the events that happen in worship, prophetic words, um, the songs, and stuff like that. So, yes, I do have a little bit of information for you guys, um, but I, I do want my heart. Um, to be, I want to share my, I want to share from my heart this morning. Um, so please bear with me. Um, I um, am going to be talking about the subject of the Holy Spirit, which is very dear to my heart. Um, or we can call him the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I have got a couple of points um, that I'm going to be sharing. Um, I'm going to be sharing on literally who the Holy Spirit is, um, and then I'm going to be just summarizing, because the scriptures that I'm going to be talking out of is the Gospel of John. So everything from a, um, a chapter 13 all the way to chapter um, 17, there's so much in there um, that I can't read everything. I'm going, to, I'm going to summarize a lot of that, and I'm also going to pull out two scriptures that I feel um, would be for us today. Okay, I'm going to be going into the role of the Holy Spirit, also the function of the Holy Spirit, and talk a little bit about that. So it's going to be a different me, hopefully, but I want you to hear my heart in this. Okay, um, so let's turn to the book or the Gospel of, of John, and the first scripture that I'm going to be reading out is um, John 14, verses 15 to 21, and my choice of Bible today is going to be the New King James Version. Um, Peter, because I, I feel like it reads better for me. Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna summarize and lay a little bit of foundation for you now, and um, so just bear with me. I hope you can just be bearing with me. Okay, <laughs> okay. Let me just see where I am. Okay, so from John uh, from John chapters 13 to chapter 17, theologians will normally call these chapters or events the upper room discourse. Okay, those chapters would speak primarily of the, of, the, of the following events. Now, let me set the stage for you guys. It's the Passover meal. Okay? It's a meal where Jesus is sitting with his disciples somewhere in an upper room in the city of, of Jerusalem. Um, this is where... It's pretty much going to be his last um, meal with, with his disciples just, be, just before he gets crucified. Um, this would be a very sort of intimate um, time spent with his disciples, a time where he's ministering, a time where he's just comforting and encouraging his disciples. Um, then just before we get to that John chapter 14, we see that Judas now has already left the scene. He's left the room. He's now going to start the planning of betraying Jesus. Okay? Um, he sets up, I don't know if you know the story of Judas, but he sets up a deal with the rabbis. He then goes and organizes a few Roman soldiers um, with him, and um, they head up to Gethsemane, and, um, which is the Mount of Olives, for those who love Israel. And, um, and there Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. 
So Judas now, this is just before I'm going to read, Judas now has departed the scene. Jesus is now talking to his 11 disciples, not his 12 disciples, because Judas has left the scene to start his shenanigans. Okay? Now, let's get into Scripture. John 14, verses 15 to 21. If you love me, keep my commandments. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will love, will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. So we can see clearly here, sure, Holy Spirit is but the key this morning. So we can clearly see here that he's calling, Jesus is calling the Holy Spirit helper. And at the end of that verse, he calls him the Spirit of truth. Another scripture that I want us to look at this morning is John chapter 16, verses 7. Again, out of the New King James Version. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So again, we can see the Holy Spirit is called helper. Time and time again. In fact, in John, from John chapter 14 to chapter 16 in the New King James Version, the word helper appears four times in Scripture. And interestingly enough, when I looked up the word helper in Greek, and this is something I learned from Andrew, it's called parakletos. It's quite interesting, which means someone who is called to come alongside someone else. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Someone who is called to come along someone else. In Greek culture, a paraclete was someone like a family. He was a member of family, but he was an attorney. It's amazing. Can you see the resemblance of the Holy Spirit here? You know? Um, the Holy Spirit is called to come alongside us and lead us and guide us into all truth. Amen? Yo. The Gospel of John, I just found, when I started delving and started studying it, it was just, it was full of life, you know, and Jesus would just constantly speak about, about, about the helper that is coming. Oh, I want to go, I'm going to go back to my story that, that I was summarizing. So Jesus is now talking, we're back in the upper room discourse. Um, Jesus is talking to his 11 disciples in the upper room, and Jesus tells them, he has got to, look, he has got to go, and he has to, when he leaves, he will send the helper, and, 
and the spirit of truth will come alongside them and it will lead them and, it, and he will guide them. And the disciples start looking at Jesus and they start getting quite confused at this stage. Some of them are getting quite sad now because Jesus, I mean, they followed Jesus all the way to this place and now all of a sudden he's talking about going away. And Jesus picks us up and he says, guys, why don't you tell me? The reason why I'm going is because I'm going to be crucified. And on the third day, I'm going to raise from the dead. And then 40 days later, approximately 40 days later, I will ascend back into the kingdom of God where I'm from. And I'll sit at the right hand of the Father and I'll be interceding for you. That's amazing, hey? And Jesus says that, guys, when I leave, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not just going to leave you on your own. I'm going to come to you and be with you, but in the form of the Holy Spirit. Oh. So the Holy Spirit comes and he leads us and he guides us and he comforts us. And this is, again, such a beautiful portion of, of Scripture to me, just confirming, you know, that he's here even right now amongst us. He's here. He might be tugging on your heart. I don't know. He might be speaking to you in some sort of way. But the Holy Spirit is here. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, as I've mentioned, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He is our counselor. He is our comforter. And some translations even would say that he is our advocate. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. One God who reveals himself in a plurality of three persons. God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Now that's a lot to get in one's natural mind, to understand that concept. And we almost need the Holy Spirit to understand that. But I want to give you a little bit of scripture. In the book of Genesis 1 verses 26, look what it says. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So we can see in this sort of creation story that there the, are plural pronouns that would imply the third persons. Amen? The Holy Spirit has always existed, being co-equal and co-eternal with God. Genesis 1, verses 2. I want to read this portion of Scripture for you. The earth was without form and void, and, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Again, we can see the existence of the Holy Spirit even right in the book of Genesis, right in the beginning. Amen? The Holy Spirit is not an it. I hear so many times, and I was quite—I almost called it him an it earlier on, also, because we quite—we can quite easily fall into that. He's not an it, okay? He's not some force, Jedi, Star Warsy kind of force. He's not that. In fact, he—he he has all the attributes of personality, mind, and will, and emotions. Yo, I want to very quickly just read three little scriptures 
of that. So, so he has attributes and, and uh, attributes of personality. So in mind, we see 1 Corinthians 2 verses 11. For what man knows, the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Will. Let's look at Will. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. That's amazing. Emotion. This is a tough one. Emotion. Ephesians 4, verses 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's a powerful scripture, guys. That's a powerful scripture. You know, in so many times, we can get into a rut of grieving the Holy Spirit. You know? I believe that the Holy Spirit is the author of the Word of God. He inspired the men of God to write the scriptures. And if we come against the Word of God, we start to grieve the Holy Spirit. So you've got to know this. Okay, I'm going to quickly go over to the role and the function of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going to start off number one. I'm going to give them five points. So bear with me. The role and function of the Holy Spirit. Um, there is, number one, the, it, it is the saving role. Of the Holy Spirit. So in John 14, verses 17, we see, For he dwells with you and will be in you. Dwelling again being um, in the present tense. The Holy Spirit is dwelling with us. He's near us. He's within us. He's constantly wooing us and leading us to the person of Jesus. Amen. In fact, I would like it to go as far as saying that no one comes to know Jesus except through the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us and woos us to Him, that we can see the person of Jesus and commit our lives to Him. Amen? Um, I think you mentioned, this is how crazy the Holy Spirit is, it's just in a positive way. Um, you mentioned uh, this morning in prayer, Stuart, um, of us being the temple of God. This is one of my scriptures, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16, 16, and it says that we are the temples of God, and he lives in us. So we know we're on the right track here, don't we? <laughs> Number two, the teaching role of the Holy Spirit. John 14, verses 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So, guys, the Holy Spirit teaches us about the things of, the Holy, of, of, of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will um, help us comprehend the Word of God. You know, there are times that we read the Word of God and we don't understand a thing that's saying. But if we invite Him in, guys... If we say, Holy Spirit, bring revelation of the Scriptures to me so that I may understand it in context. 
So he helps us remember everything that Jesus taught. Number three, the, the testifying role of the Holy Spirit. We see this in John 15, verses 26 to 27. But when he, the helper, comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. So it's the Holy Spirit who will testify about Jesus. He will help us speak, and he will speak through us. He will teach us in that very moment of time, when you're standing in front of friends and family, and you've got to defend what you believe. This is the reality. He will testify on your behalf. Amen? Guys, I, I really believe that, I mean, if, who was there last night? Andrew's message came at the right season, at the right time. It was so on point. We are entering an age which is, sure, it is dark. It's not lacquer, you know? And the enemy wants to keep you and me our mouths shut. He wants to numb us. The Holy Spirit does the opposite. He says, open your mouth and I will give testimony. I will speak to you. I will use your vocal cords. This temple I want to use to further and proclaim the goodness of our God. Amen? Number four, the, the convicting role of the Holy Spirit. And again, there were words that came out of conviction. So it is amazing how the Holy Spirit does work. God 16 verse, verse oh sorry, John 16 verses 7 to 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us understand our sinful nature. He helps us understand our sinful condition. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is so quickly to come and convict us of our sins. He convicts us quickly because he wants to get us into a right standing place with God. So when we come, and, and guys, no one likes to come under conviction. But this is something that God has put in place to protect us so that we can be quick to repent and turn to the Father. When we've, when we've stepped out of line, He wants us to live a pure and holy life. He's called us to this. So, conviction is literally, in layman's terms, the Father saying, hang on, guys, this is not right. Turn right now. Turn back to me. Repent. And run, run to my arms. Run to my arms. He doesn't want you to live in sin. You know, it goes by saying that there are people that live in sin and they don't recognize that they're doing anything wrong. 
In fact, they, they don't even know what's right or wrong anymore. And that person gets a seared conscience. And a seared conscience, guys, is not a place that we want to go. Because it, it's, it's, it's exactly where the enemy wants you to be. Number five, the guiding role of the Holy Spirit. And this is my last point. The guiding role of the Holy Spirit. John 16, verses 13. When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Folks, never has there been a time that we need the Holy Spirit so badly and we need Him to guide us and lead us into all truth. You know, the world throws and bombards us with all these freaking lies. You know, the lies about marriage, lies about sexuality, lies about gender, same-sex marriage, lies, lies about our children. And we have got to draw the line. We have got to say, Holy Spirit, come. Show us what the truth is. If we don't, we're just going to accept. And we are called to stand out. Yeah. Yesterday, the Holy Spirit is so wanting to walk with you. The Holy Spirit is so wanting to just use you as a conduit so that He can work through you. The Holy Spirit just wants closeness with you, me. Yeah, I love it. Just love it. In fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna conclude. I want to tell you that. I'll tell you, I mean, there's so many stories I can tell you about me um, sort of living with the Holy Spirit, opening myself up to the Holy Spirit. You know, many times we pray to the Father. Many times I pray to Jesus. And, the, and that's what it's about. They're number one. And I love them so much. But I almost see the Holy Spirit standing beside me. He says, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. I'm the third person in the Trinity. Many years ago, the Holy Spirit said to me, I remember I was on the parade ground in the military, and the young man was, had a rifle under his, under his head, and some guys, some friends of mine, troops, we were all in basic training at the moment. Um, some troops ran to me, to my bungalow. I was busy polishing my shoes, my boots. And they said, Warren, Warren, there's a guy. There's a guy who's going to kill himself. He's on the parade ground. And immediately something came over me. And I dropped everything. And I remember running. It was about 600 meters. I ran fast. I was fit back then. <laughs> I ran fast, and when I got to this guy, it suddenly dawned on me that, flipping heck, what if this guy shoots me? And he's sitting there quietly with the rifle pointing under his chin. And I grabbed the rifle, and I sat down with him, and I said, man. And he looked at me, 
And I felt the Holy Spirit just come into that scenario as I just sat with him, listening to what he had. He was, he had his fiance had pretty much called off the, the, the wedding, and he was absolutely distorted. He felt that that was the love of his life, and um, he was absolutely gutted. He was going to take his own life. But we got up there. The Holy Spirit pretty much brought absolute peace in that scenario. And we walked back to the bungalow. I had his rifle in my hand, and I said to the Holy Spirit, I said to him, how has this guy not even shot me? What did I just do there? And I heard the Holy Spirit say, Warren, you're in the, the school of, of my spirit. And I will lead you and guide you into all truth. I will train you and show you who the Father is and the Son is. And I just sat there. I was like, I was, well, I was walking. I just was walking there. I really didn't understand what he was saying. But I can tell you now, I understand now, we are all in the school of the Holy Spirit. You know, and we need to learn to walk with him. We need to learn to talk with him, to invite him in to our fellowship with Jesus and with God. We need, he's waiting. He's wanting to activate things in your life that you've been praying for years, but you've just not involved in. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And you know what, guys? The subject is Jesus. So he's going to point you to Jesus all the time. He's going to point you to the, to the Father all the time. Amen?